Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we're actually changing it up a little bit. What we had originally planned was to talk mostly about the Jets, but we also wanted to make sure we mentioned Tredavious White because we actually heard from Trey White for the first time in almost a year. It kind of caught everybody by surprise. Essentially, so you guys all know what happens, was we were sitting there doing a press conference with Von Miller, and we were in the field house, and all of a sudden, Trey White came into the field house. He started walking towards the locker room and it looks like he started talking to a couple reporters and that couple reporters turned into everybody in the building within a couple minutes because it's been that long since we have talked to him. So Sal, I mean, he talked for like 17 minutes. It was the first time we've heard from him. He, he made us, uh, he gave us plenty of things to talk about on the podcast. So what did you take away from the conversation with Trey? Yeah, and first of all, uh, no planes now. We've transitioned. We are actually now in uh, Studio Bove and Studio Capaccio <laughs> talking here. Uh, the first two segments, we were out at practice, and then um, we wanted to see what happened at practice, and then we decided to kind of do it this way to recap, you know, what happened. So the so if the sounds a little bit different for everybody. There's no planes flying overhead, and no, we we, we can just talk here. So. I just thought it was super enlightening. I thought it was really um, great that Trey was so transparent and talked about the mental hurdles and the physical hurdles of coming back from this injury. He said he'd never been hurt, never had a surgery. And, you know, you feel for people that this is their livelihood. It's their life. And this is what he's worked his whole life for. And that was taken away from him. And, you know, such a, a quick, you know, just, just horrible, you know, instance in, in new Orleans last year. And he's had to work so hard to get back. But now they're in this position where, you know, they can add this great player back to the roster. And we don't know if it's going to happen this week. He said it, you know, he's taking it day by day as well. But I really, um, I appreciated his honesty and transparency and talked about some dark days. You know, it reminded me of Harrison Phillips when he talked about this a lot. Remember that a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when he was coming back from his injury and um, talked about some dark days and his family pulling him through, his teammates pulling him through. He said he locked himself in his basement at times and his teammates had to get him. I don't know if that was being metaphorical or true, but basically you, you get the point. And he said, um, Micah Hyde was a real good resource for him throughout this process as well, because, you know, Micah's really been pumping him up and positive. And I think, um, sounds like, you know, Trey is, is ready and eager to get out there, but he's not, he's not you know, like forcing the issue either. For sure. And I think it's funny that he mentioned Micah Hyde specifically and how it comes full circle because now they need to support Micah as he is the one who is battling back from an injury. But when you talk about transparency, I give Trey White so much credit for opening up. I give hit because it's not an easy thing to talk about. He was basically mentioning that I soon realized after the injury that I wasn't going to be a football player for a long, long time. And for my entire life, that's what I've been. I've been a football player. I've been an athlete. And I realized that that can't be my identity. And it's almost like anybody dealing with something with work, with something in their personal lives. It's just really interesting. So many people are defined by their job. They're defined by their family. They're defined 
defined by, you know, what they've done in the past or what they're trying to do. And he just made it very clear that for his own mental and physical health, he needed to find a new passion. He needed to find a new purpose. And it's not an easy thing to talk about, but he said that he did a lot of work on his mental health. He really started to read books about different topics. He tried to spend all of the time that he dedicated towards playing football to being with his family because he knows during the season, he doesn't get to spend as much time with his family as he would like. So it was really eye-opening to see what it's like to go through that, not just from the physical standpoint, because I think we talked to him for 17 minutes. We barely talked about okay, how is it cutting on your ankle or how is it running up and down? Or do you feel like you're as fast or anything like that? Because it was a conversation that was more than football. And and I think that that's important. He said that Michelle Tafoya sent him Mm -hmm. a book. It's called the obstacle is the way I've actually looked into this book since he talked about it It was written in 2014. Um, I'll read what it says here. A book which offers individuals a framework to flip obstacles into opportunities Really interesting, right? And uh, Michelle Tafoya, I bring this up because Trey said, good friend, and she sent it to him. She was on the field that night with me doing the sideline reporting for the uh, Thursday night game when that happened. And I remember when he came out of that tent and I looked at Michelle and I said, he's pretty emotional, right? And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, he's crying, right? He was, he was like that night he knew, right? That night he knew. And he went back and he talked about how emotional it was for him and, you know, trying to get over it right away. And, you know, it it took a long time for him to kind of get back into that, that frame of mind to to the long road ahead and the recovery was just super engaging, super interesting from Trey. And I really appreciate his insight on that. That was a weird one. I remember going back to not to reflect too much in the past because this is something that he's trying to move forward on. But I remember at that game, the minute that he got hurt, it almost felt like the game didn't matter anymore because of the stature that Trey White has with the team. So you were on the field. You saw his emotion. We're up in the press box. I was actually texting Dan Fates from Rochester. And he was like, Hey, it's bad. He's like, I'm down here on the field. It's, this is not good. So then you start to think, okay, everybody probably jumps to the conclusion that it's what it is. And then you're just hoping that it's not. And I remember it was, so it was Thanksgiving day. The next day I flew from new Orleans to Orlando and met a bunch of friends at Disney world for three days. We spent the weekend at Disney world. And I remember I was in line with like six or seven friends and girlfriends and wives and stuff. And the alert came up on the phone that I think it was Adam Schefter that Tredavious white will miss the rest of the year. And You know, you've got these. So obviously doing what we do for a living, it's a little bit different, but you've got these Bills fans and just to see their faces turn from, oh, my goodness, this is the team that can win the Super Bowl to, oh, my goodness, they just lost their identity on defense. They just lost the guy that has locked down that corner spot for four or five years was wild. So I think that that's also relevant that, you know, it's a little story I told to what they're getting back. And I know it's going to take a little bit of time, but we don't think about that. Think about how good this defense has been these last couple, these last 12 months. And now you're adding a guy like that back. We still have never seen a defense that has Von Miller and Tredavious White. Think about that. One of the reasons they got Von Miller was because they wanted to get after the quarterback. But so many times we've heard that helps your corners because they don't have to cover as long. Well, now 
the corners like Trey white can help the pass rush. And maybe this quarterback has to hold on to the ball for that extra second. So I think we talked about this a little bit before we talked to Trey white. I think they need to ease him into things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think just getting him healthy for the playoffs is what's most important. And I think that's what they're going to do. You know, who else knows that uh, they have, they're really good back there. Tredavious white. The, one of the funnier parts is when he was asked about, you know, how well these young guys have played. And he goes, Oh, my team's pretty good. Huh? You've watched my team. They're pretty good. And he <laughs> yeah. laughed like he, he knows what he, what he has here as, as far as his teammates. And the fact that I think that's probably part of the reason why he also feels like, hey, I don't have to rush it. These guys are doing a great job. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to get on the field when I can. I don't know about this week though, Matt, we've talked a lot about the MetLife turf, right? I mean, how much mm-hmm. that might factor into this. Um, it, Sean McDermott did not rule him out for this week. He also didn't rule him in, um, but we'll see. I, I wouldn't be shocked to be played, but I'm thinking maybe you wait another week. You get him back home in a home environment, back in Buffalo on the stadium and the turf that you're used to um, just maybe more comfortability there. Mm-hmm. And you're not playing a world beating offense either necessarily in the Jets. So I, I, as I sit here right now, I would probably say, I mean, they have seven available healthy corners, including Trey. So they don't have to do it. As I sit here right now, my guess might be that he doesn't play, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the schedule because I had a little bit of a brain fart. So it's Minnesota, then Cleveland. Then Cleveland, yeah. So I think two home games after this. Two home games after this. So it's interesting because I do think that you would probably want him to play his first game at home and not on that field at MetLife because of all the issues that there have been at MetLife. That being said, Minnesota is certainly a more high-powered offense than the Jets. So I don't think that if we see Trey White come out here next week. It's like, okay, go cover Justin Jefferson every single play. That's not kind of how I think right. it would go. I think right. it would just be like, listen, you know, we're going to have him out there. We're going to have him doing what we want him to do on a limited snap count. But that's the thing that's, I think, so exciting for Bills fans is that you are getting that person back. And even if it does take a little bit of time, I think it'll be worth it in the long run because Tredavious White, when he's playing his best, when he's healthy, is a lockdown top cornerback in the NFL. And you combine that with a pass rush that's must improve, much improved, a linebacking group that has played exceptional this year, and now a corner or in a secondary that has exceeded expectations, even in the face of adversity. I think you're talking about a defense that could really, really, really create some problems for people. All right, let's talk about the Jets. The Bills take on the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Sunday at 1 p.m. It's going to be really nice. It's going to be like mid-70s. It's going to be great. Like feels like a September game here in uh, November, which is really cool. The Jets are pretty much near the bottom in, or at least bottom third in most major statistical offensive categories. But that's also with Brees Hall in the lineup. He is no longer in the lineup. Obviously, he's out for the year, unfortunately. Really exciting player for them. But I would say the path to victory for them probably still lies in them trying to control the game if they can on the ground and playing really good defense, they have a very good defense. They have players at all three levels, uh, really talented players at all three levels. I just don't know. I mean, they're ranked. If you look at the, their um, points allowed is less than 20 a game. Mm-hmm. They are sixth in the league in yards per game allowed and third in the league in yards per play allowed. So I think that's a really good defense against a very obviously explosive bills offense. I just don't know if they'll be able to get there. Even if they can hold the bills offense down a little bit, I'm not sure that that their offense is going to be able to do much damage against the bills. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you talk about the three players at all levels that are really, really high powered, it's important to give them Quinn and Williams is awesome. Mm -hmm. When they, when they drafted him, 
that was a name. I don't know if you remember the night of that draft. There were a bunch of rumors that the Bills were potentially going to try and trade up, and we all yep. thought they would be trading up for Quinn and Williams. They got Ed Oliver. They're very, very happy with how Ed Oliver has turned out. Quinn and Williams, though, is a freak of nature. C.J. Mosley, remember a couple of years ago, it was in 2019, right when they got C.J. Mosley, he took over that game, and then he got hurt, and then the Bills were able yep. to make a comeback. C.J. Mosley was playing out of his mind. And then the he sat out. He sat out the COVID year. Uh-huh. So, like, it's Bills fans, he's a difference maker. I know he's a little bit older now. And then Sauce Gardner. I mean, he was a really, really high draft pick. It seems like his career's off to a great start. I do want to point out one thing, and it's not anything that you didn't say, but you basically, you were talking about how they're holding teams to less than 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. And I think that deserves credit. They also haven't played that many good offenses. Great any high powered offenses. So I think that inflates the number a little bit. When you look at the teams that I think are, you know, better than average, the Ravens scored 24. So it's not like it was a huge day. The Browns scored 30 and still lost. And the Bengals scored 27 after that. They've really reined it in these last four weeks, five weeks, but they've played the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, and the Patriots. So I think the Bills have an opportunity to go out and put up some points on this team, even though the defense is better. I still think that, you know, 30 should kind of be the threshold for the Bills in almost like every game that they play, regardless of how good the defense is, how bad the defense is. I think 30 is kind of their over under that you could almost set just like clockwork. I mean, they scored 27 against the Packers and they only had three points in the second half. And I think the Packers defense is about the same level as the jets defense. So I I don't think, go ahead. Yeah. The bills, I think too, are kind of smarting a bit after last week, right? On offense. Don't they want to kind of get after a little bit and uh, you know, they want to play better. They did not play their best game, their a game in the second half. And even, you know, you could feel Sean McDermott after the game talking about them not playing great. And, you know, that's, that's starts with him. He's got to do a better job and Josh Allen being, upset, you know, how the offense played. And, you know, this is in a game where maybe we'll see, you know, there's going to be really good conditions and we'll see what this offense does. Let me ask you a question um, before we head out of here. Zach Wilson, is he the starting quarterback of the jets opening day, 2023? Yes, he is. I believe so. I think that Zach Wilson has an interesting kind of arc to his career and it was trending in the right direction, then hit a wall. And now it's trending back in the wrong direction. I think when you've invested that much in a quarterback, you give it a little bit more time, or at least you should give it a little bit more time. Like Sam Darnold, they moved on from him eventually, but they gave him a little bit of time. It's funny because Sam Darnold had better numbers at this point in his career than Zach Wilson has had. Mm -hmm. I do think there's some talent there. I do trust the jets and what they're doing. I like their coaching staff. I like the moves that they've made. I think there's some really nice options there. It stinks though, because they lose Brees hall. Brees hall made this team a completely different team. I know he's just one player, but they were so dynamic with him on the field. Now you lose him. Michael Carter doesn't have that same juice that Brees Hall had. And I think that ultimately is forcing Zach Wilson into making some bad throws and some bad decisions. That's what he did last week against the Patriots. So I do think that he's going to be the starting quarterback for them next year, but I think the leash will be pretty short if it's not, you know, significant improvement by this time in 2023. Real quick. uh, Let's wrap up. Just take a look ahead to week number nine in the NFL. A couple interesting games that, um, you know, we can just touch on very briefly here. Chargers are at the Falcons. A big game for the Chargers. You know, they're sitting there at four and three in the AFC West. They're trying to keep pace with the Chiefs. They go to a Falcons team that got a gift last week, obviously, in that Carolina game. But um, Chargers-Falcons is interesting to me. And then I'll let 
I'll give you dolphins and bears. I mean, look, the bears, they, they make the trade for Claypool. I don't, I don't expect the, them to beat the dolphins, but they are the kind of team like they did against the Patriots that one week. They could just kind of rise up at any moment. I, I wouldn't give them a zero chance. That's for sure. I see. I think I would. I think the dolphins are, I think the dolphins are good. I said yesterday that the dolphins are the fourth best team in the AFC. And someone asked me who the third was. And then I kind of sat there and thought about it. And I was like, wow, maybe it is the dolphins. Cause I mean, it's the bills and the chiefs one too. After that, I think the Ravens and dolphins have to go. That's what I said. I I said Ravens. They said dolphins. Then the conversation was, if you had to play one of those teams in the playoffs, who would you be more scared of? And they emphatically said the dolphins. And I was like, wow, really? I was like, I think I would say the Ravens. I would say Lamar. I would say Lamar Jackson. Tell me where the game is too. You coming to Buffalo? Because I don't think that offense necessarily works in the, in the, the cold and the wind in Buffalo in January, like it does right now in Miami. You're right, but I do still think with those playmakers, Waddle and Hill are the best wide receiver combo mm-hmm. in the NFL right now. They're great. And then they go out and you get Jeff Wilson with a guy who's coached him and who has had a lot of success with him in addition to Mostert. Gasecki's a nice player. And, I mean, Tua just looks rock solid right now. He looks great. I know there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this podcast and their eyes are going to roll and they're going to be like, oh, the sample size is small. Let's give it time. No, I don't disagree. I, I think that Tua is really, really ascending right now. So regardless, I think that Miami handles Chicago. I think that Miami could string together a lot of wins in a row. And that makes that game in Buffalo in late December that much more interesting. Cause I mean, you look at the dolphins remaining schedule here. So they got the bears, then they go Browns at home, Texans at home on the road at the 49ers. That's pretty, it gets a little tougher at the end. The end for sure. So this is their final six. And the, the Browns are not a pushover right now at all. No, the, they, no, they really the, took it to the Bengals the other night. No, the Browns are not a pushover, but I think that the Dolphins are pretty close to the Bills. And I think like all these teams that the Bills, not pretty close, but I think they're closer to the Bills than maybe some people want to admit. And you look at the Bills remaining schedule, it's games against the Vikings, the Browns, the Jets, the Patriots, and most Bills fans are like, oh, win, 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 win. So I think that the Dolphins maybe should get the benefit of the doubt there a little bit. Their last six games, though, are really hard. At 49ers, at Chargers, oh, my God. At 49ers, at Chargers, at Bills, three in a row on the road. Oof. Yeah, and, and well, two of those are in, in the way. Again, to me, tell me what the offense looks like when they have to go outdoors in a colder weather climate later. I, I just yeah. think it's a different, it's a, it's a different animal. I'm not saying you got to run the ball and be tough. Like we talk about that. You're, you're talking about a speed offense with a quarterback that has ascended. I agree with you, but does not have the strongest arm. And I, but they I don't wonder what that, but, my, like. but they don't have to, I see what I very much see what you're saying for like the conversation of a potential playoff game in Buffalo, but right. for the rest of their season, sure. they don't really have to do that because they're remaining. Oh, right. scheduled. They've got two home games. Those road games are at the 49ers and at the chargers. The weather's not going to be a factor there. The only games where it becomes a potential factor are at the bills on December 18th and at the Patriots on January 1st. But besides that, they've got all the rest of their games. There shouldn't be any issue with weather, cold, any of that stuff. So I do think that there's a chance because they're five and three, right? Are they, that's the, yeah, they, they're five and three right now. And obviously with, with two, a healthy, they're a much, much different team. All right. Before we head out of here, we, we literally have to wrap up here. Titans chiefs, Sunday night, any chance for the Titans to sneak up on the chiefs? They did beat them last year. No, I don't think so. I think the chiefs they're 12 are... and a half point underdogs, the Titans. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, what were they against Mon- against the bills on Monday night football? It was something, like that something too, right? similar to that too. Yeah. What do you think? What's your final score prediction? For yeah. Bills, I, uh, probably a higher scoring game. 
right there. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs, let's say 31 to, I'll say 24. Like, I don't know if they cover the spread, but I think the Titans can can probably score a few points. How about Ravens at Saints Monday night football? We just talked about the Ravens. Saints shut out the Raiders last week. This is a big uh, play for them. This is big. By the way, hear that alert? That's the Bills signing, making practice squads. So that's my alert when the Bills text. Oh, okay. I just got so the we're, same we're alert. Li- what is it? Isaiah, Isaah uh, Coulter, to- Coulter and Jared, Jared. was released. So yeah. not Isaiah Hodgins, by the way, because he was claimed by the Giants, which we didn't talk about yesterday. Uh, prediction, Ravens at Saints Monday night. And real quick on Isaiah Hodgins. Okay. Isaiah Hodgins, I know it stinks. He was a nice prospect. He was a nice player. This is just business in the NFL when you've got a really, really, really talented 53-man roster. I think the Saints are overrated. I understand that they're coming off a game when they shut somebody out. I think the Ravens belong in the conversation of that second best tier in the AFC. I think the Ravens will go on the road and get a win. Saints are always tough in a nighttime game at home. It's always tough. They, they have a they have a nice crowd that shows up and and, and supports them. We saw that uh, with the Bills last year, but that was a different scenario. They were very banged up. Um, yeah, probably. I don't know. I might pick the Saints in that game. I I think really. Uh, yeah, I I might. I, I just think that um, it, there's a situation where yeah, the Ravens go over there and they look really good so far. But um, we've also seen the Ravens lay some stinkers, so we'll see. But they're obviously going. They made the trade as well for um, Roquan Smith, so you know. Yeah. That'll probably, um, that'll help him give him a shot in the arm. All right. Isaiah Hodgins. Good luck to him. Was never going to happen in Buffalo. I'll say this, Matt, he's going to have a game down the road. in the giants going to have like six catches, 50 yards and a touchdown bills. Fans like, Oh my God, I can't believe you get rid of this yeah. guy. He would never have that opportunity in Buffalo. He would mm-hmm. not. Are you going to play more digs? You going to play more Davis. It's all about opportunity. All Absolutely. Right. Bill's jets. Let's um, let's get into a final uh, prediction. What, what's your score prediction? So I'm going to go with, you know, how I said 30 is my kind of over under like clockwork every week. I'm going to creep just over. I'm going to say bills 31. I'm going to say actually, no, I'm going to stick there. I'm going to say bills 31 jets 17. Hmm. Jets defense is pretty good. I think the bills bills defense will give their offense a lot of opportunity with maybe short fields Mm -hmm. would really help. I'll go a little wider. I'm going to say bills, 30 jets, 13. I can't see the jets scoring more than like 13 points in this game. I just, yeah, I think it's I, my 17 is almost like uh, I think the bills are in a pretty good space and they're just kind of like a backdoor late touchdown because the backups are in or something. Uh, all be yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah. this jets team is definitely better, but I don't think they're there quite yet. All right. Download, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. It's always game day in Buffalo. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. And of course, we'll be back right away next week after the bills take on the jets and look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings the following week here on the podcast. Thanks a lot again.